Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Back to back weeks here. Uh, Nathan Stack in here. Travis Crins with you here, uh, or as well. And uh, Mr. Crins, uh, we, we're preparing, I guess, for the big storm that's supposed to hit. And uh, maybe lack thereof, it's only supposed to be a few inches of snow up in Fargo and in Mitchell. So the meteorologists fool us yet again. Yeah, they said something was coming. Uh, last weekend, something was coming, and uh, they had two models. I saw one. Mitchell had uh, about three to four inches. That was pretty consistent, but there was one model that had Sioux Falls getting four. The other had them getting 11. That's a bit of a difference. Uh, so they didn't really quite know what the hell to believe, and it looks like it's going to move farther east. So Mitchell's only supposed to be like two to three inches. Sioux Falls... Maybe a little more, but it looks like maybe northwest Iowa, southwest Minnesota gets maybe a half a foot. So we'll wait and see. Uh, lots of wind too. So as long be bad. as long as the snow leaves the Twin Cities, so all the fans can get to the game on Sunday. Which, by the way, I'm all, I'm already like nervous as hell for this game on Sunday between the the Vikings and the Saints. Um, I'm probably going to develop an ulcer here. Uh, Talk, talk me off this ledge here. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll get to all the wild card action. We'll get to uh, look before you walk me off the ledge. No, let just walk me off the ledge right now, or like, you what the know, hell, are you worry about? Well, I, do you see how well the Saints team is playing right now? I mean, the this is a good. They lost the fucking Tampa Bay two weeks ago. Jesus. Uh, well, that aside, you, goddamn near blue. What the hell are they up? Uh, what the hell was the score? They 31 to 16. Almost blew uh, No, they were up by what? A couple touchdowns, weren't they? Oh, I guess, yeah. I was like, oh, 21 to 6? Yeah, they almost blew a 15 point lead, for Christ's sake. Well, here's. I'm, here's I'm, me. I'm none too concerned about the Saints team. Hear, hear me out. The When these two teams played in week one, vastly yep. different teams. The. the the Saints had the, as you would like to say, the child beater, Adrian Peterson, and they were trying to find their offensive identity. They really didn't know, you know, what Kamara was going to do and Ingram. It just, it was, they were trying to divide carries. The offense looked like it was a bit of a mess. Didn't look like anything much. The Vikings, meanwhile, Sam Bradford had a career night, what, 346 yards, a couple touchdowns. He was great. Dalvin Cook had 127 yards rushing on the ground. So, and, Guess what? Now the Vikings don't have either of those players. Now Case Keenum, Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon have all done a fine job this year. A really good job. I mean, Case Keenum, I believe, should be the NFL comeback player of the year. Uh, even though he really didn't come back from anything. But he was benched last year with the Rams in favor of Jared Goff. So, I th- while that, that aside, he's playing great. There's just a different element here. And the Saints' defense is playing a lot better. But there you could look at, too, the Vikings' defense is also playing really good as well. I guess the bottom line here is I I just don't know what to expect because I see the Saints being able to have a somewhat explosive offense, and I don't know if the Vikings can match them necessarily score for score. So I think it, it they have to get out to a fast start. The Vikings do. Defense forces either a couple turnovers, a few three and outs, doesn't let the Saints get on the board, and the Vikings can get up like ten nothing or so at the end of the first quarter. Then I'll start to feel okay. But it, it they really need to get out to a fast start. You don't want to fall behind this team. Who's the best defense in football? 
the either the Vikings or the Jaguars. Very good. Um, you know, Vikings probably going to lose before they get to the Super Bowl. God forbid they actually make it. That'd be great. Um, but again, they, they should they should win this week and they should win next week because they are the better team. Mm-hmm. Would you agree they are better? They're better than the Saints. They're better than Atlanta. They're better than Philadelphia. They are. They, I mean, they are the favorite for a reason to win the NFC because they are better than all these other teams. Uh, as long as the defense is fine, I mean, no defense. They should be fine. Yes. Uh, the, the, the one guy that's got to do well, I think, is the quarterback. Uh, sometimes I say, show me the stats of this guy. I'll see if they won or not. Next week, we'll look at Case Keenum's stats, and I think that'll be a pretty good indicator of whether or not they win the game. If he's 20-28 for 240 and two touchdowns, no turnovers, you're going to win that game. The deep ball concerns me a little bit. He, he's been off on that here the last uh, couple of weeks. Now, granted, in Green Bay, really cold, bad footing, so I get that a little bit. Against the Bears, I don't think they were trying to show a whole lot. They were just trying to win the game. But overall, the offense has taken a little bit of a step backward here this uh, these last couple of games. And the Saints defense has definitely improved. Now, they won't have Kenny Vaccaro. So that's that's big. I'm wondering who Marshawn Lattimore is going to cover here. Is he going to cover Thielen? Is he going to shadow Thielen the entire game? Because I guarantee you we're going to see a lot of Thielen in the slot. Uh, does that mean Stephon Diggs is going to have some good one-on-one matchups? Where's the Where are the safeties going to go? I'm just very curious on that. And plus, you know, the playoff experience, Drew Brees has been a lot of playoff games. Case Keenum has not. So I wonder how much that is going to affect. And I'm probably overthinking it. I I really, I have to be honest, I think I am. But I'm just, the more that I'm starting to think about this game, the more and more it worries me that the Saints are going to be able to come in and take down the Vikings. Now, if the Vikings can generate a pass rush early on using only four guys, Andres Pete is not going to play in this game, and he's one of the better offensive linemen for the Saints. If they can pressure Drew Brees, I think that's big, and Xavier Rhodes is going to have to have a magnificent game against Michael Thomas. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, Xavier Rhodes, he's one-on-one coverage. He's as good as it gets. Going back Harrison Smith is about safety. Everson Griffin's a great defensive end. Anthony Barr and Kendrick, they're great linebackers. I mean, the defense is stacked to the gills. Uh, Carolina almost came back and won that game. I guess I'm not. I'm not real concerned. Uh, what about their running back? Their, their running backs didn't do anything against Carolina. Um, they lost three. They've lost their last three road games. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I mean, the defense. The defense is great. Yes, the it defense is. is great. And if they're there, you know, if they can give up, you know, twenty points, maybe twenty-four points. You'd like to think that'd be that'd be good enough, but uh, we'll see. I, I am concerned with Trey Waynes if he's going to be covering Ted Ginn Jr. I would hope he doesn't get burned a lot or you know do a pass interference penalty or, or whatnot. Force Ted Ginn on the inside or at least have some safety help over the top. The Vikings have been have given up big plays sometimes when they blitz. I think back to the Carolina game when Jonathan Stewart uh, ran that seventy yard touchdown. The Vikings you know were trying to stop that third and one. They blitzed everyone and. And Stewart had a 
little bit of a hole and a crease, and he took off to the end zone. I think it was the same thing like Cam Newton. So the Vikings have been known to give up some big plays by being aggressive. With a guy like Ted Ginn's speed, I really hope that they take him out of the game or force him more inside. Don't let him go vertical. Don't let him go north-south up the sideline. Make him really work. Sure. I mean, Ted, I mean, I'm not, I'm not concerned about anybody except the quarterback for the Saints. I mean, Ted Ginn's a one-trick pony. Uh, running backs didn't do anything. Xavier Rhodes gonna fucking smother Michael Thomas. <laughs> I mean, it's, this defense is great. This is a great defense. They're not. If they play like they should, they're not. They're not losing. These are two great units, though, going against one another. The Saints' offense versus the Vikings' defense. <laughs> So something's going to have to give here a little bit, whereas the Vikings, yes, they actually, you look at their offense throughout the year, very good, what, like top 10? I mean, that's phenomenal. Who? The Vikings. Vikings? Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's phenomenal. It, it didn't always feel like that. But in the Saints, they are a much improved defense. So this is a very even game across the line here. Um, I, I wanna, I'm going to pick the Vikings, but I'm... Just incredibly nervous. I hope that going into the third quarter, it's like twenty-eight to six Vikings, and everyone's just having a hoot and hollering good time. But um, I, I don't know if I asked you this last week. Should the Falcons beat the Eagles on Saturday? Is there? Do you think there's going to be any added pressure to the Vikings, knowing that if they win, they have the NFC Championship game in their own building? And then, I mean, theoretically. You just have to win that, and then you go to the Super Bowl in your home building. I mean, they wouldn't have to travel at all. Is there any added pressure, do you think, should Atlanta win? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but no matter who you play or where you play, the game to get to the Super Bowl is going to be likely the biggest game you'll you'll play in your life, unless you win that game and play one more. Mm -hmm. So, they should should beat the Saints, I think I'm thinking 28-18. Pretty similar to what, 29-19 was the first one. I'll go 28-18. Yep. And it's, I don't, the defense is, no, no who's, who's going to do anything against that defense? They, I mean, look at, look at how they played at home. They played at home, crowd's going to be nuts. Yep. It's going to be loud in there. It really is. Um, I think the Vikings are three-point favorite, so um, it's, it's setting up. We can't set up any better for them to... Go to the Super Bowl for the first time. Right. Well, I, I, I really hope you're right here. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed and, uh, and and certainly see what happens. Uh, we'll get to the rest of NFL Wild Card here in a second, or momentarily, but there was a college football championship game played. Um, a podcast note here. Uh, I you know Charlie Hildebrand will be joining us here um, later on in the podcast. Um but I did talk to him about, you know, after this championship game is played. So, you know, going into the uh, the podcast and the recording business, sometimes you don't always do it step by step. Just uh, didn't know, don't know if everyone knew that. So I did talk to Charlie already a little bit about this here. But it's just a phenomenal game. Um, I think he probably liked it more than I did. You know what? I use the word remarkable a lot to describe this game. And... I use remarkable in the sense that you have freshman what Tua Tua uh, Tago Viola uh, 
Valoa. Anyway, I'm just going to call him Tua. I mean, you have a freshman who's never played like, any real meaningful snaps here for Alabama going into the game in the national championship. You're down 13 nothing. For him to lead the, the Crimson Tide back was tremendous. Uh, for Georgia to make a field goal by Blankenship, who, by the way... He's got to be one of the best kickers in the country, right? Or at least he's going to be headed oh, yeah. into next year. Oh, yeah. Got to be the goggles. He makes that 51-yard field goal. When I was watching the game, I didn't think that I thought, oh, Georgia got a field goal. I don't know if that's going to hold up because, you know, Tua was able to lead Alabama, you know, routinely down the field and get some touchdowns. But after that sack, I have to think just about every Georgia fan was thinking, oh, we got this. We're not going to give up a, you know, second and 26. We're not going to give up 26 yards here in two plays. And their kicker missed two field goals to the left, a 40-yarder and a 36-yarder. There's no way. And then, and then one play later, boom, second and 26, 41-yard touchdown. Alabama wins. Uh, Stunning to say the least. I I guess just... Everything that led up to it and all the factors in made this a remarkable. It wasn't the best championship game, but I thought there were a lot of remarkable things that combined to make this uh, rather unique championship game. First half, nothing happened. Uh, second half was pretty exciting. Change of quarterbacks, all that good stuff. Yeah, second half was was pretty good, even though what was it? It was twenty to seven. Yes, I guess just in the second half. It was twenty to seven in the first half. Uh, 13 nothing halftime, 27 in the second half. So, you know, 13-point comeback, pretty good. Uh, changing quarterbacks, so it's a ballsy move. That ended up working. Uh, you like uh, you like old Jake Fromm? Not more than me, it appears. He did fine. Threw a couple interceptions. He had one long throw that was pretty great. Yes, uh, to Harden. Uh, that was the 80-yard touchdown. 80-yard touchdown. That was pretty great, great throw. Um uh, Georgia's quarterback is transferring to Washington, Eason. Okay. Uh, he's better than Fromm. I wasn't, he was a big time recruit. Yep. Last year, he was a freshman. You know, he's the same as Fromm, big tall white guy, which is, which you gotta be because if you're not, you're not any good. So he's gonna go to Washington. He's probably better than Fromm, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what, what Fromm does here since he's gonna be the guy. But a, a good title game, I like last year's better. I like the yes. first uh, Alabama-Clemson game better as well. Uh, Ohio State-Oregon was a blowout. So, and this was a very, very good game. Very good game. Uh, probably, I guess if you, if you want to say the second best bowl game of the year behind the Rose Bowl, that would be acceptable. Uh, this Tua fellow, though, just a freshman. Hey, so. Kealoa. Thank you. Bless you. Uh, Tago Violoa. I think we're going to see him in the NFL. I, I, it's a terribly well, small sir, sample. Just, I, it's a terribly well, small sample size. And I'm well, to- total prisoner of the moment here. But for him to, to command, just the way he commanded that game right there, I think he's going to go to the NFL. We already have Marcus Mariota from Hawaii. He's in the NFL. I think we're going to see, uh, to uh, continue to develop. I mean, he's what did say the reason why Saban put him in over Jalen Hurts is because he was a a very gifted passer, a pure passer, and he certainly showed it. There was a lot of great touch on those passes that he threw. So 
Um, definite here, prisoner of the moment, but I think uh, I think Tua is going to be something awfully special. And now, what, where's Jalen Hurts go from here? He ain't going back to Alabama. He shouldn't go back to Alabama. He's twenty five and two as a starter. That's uh, that's tough. He's not again. If he was somewhere other than Alabama, he's not a great quarterback. He's good enough. I mean, Alabama doesn't need a great quarterback to win national titles, as has been shown. They can just need a guy back there that doesn't turn the ball over. But yeah, he yeah, it's uh, these two quarterback uh, situations are interesting. Georgia figured their thing out. Now, what does Alabama do? Uh, what if Jalen Hurts well, went to Kansas? Fuck, <laughs> uh, that would be they would continue not to win many games. Maybe he switches positions. I don't know. Maybe he's a you know receiver, running back. Maybe he can do something else. Sure, kind of sucks for him. But he was bad. Three of eight for 21 yards. That's not good. And if they keep him in there, eh, Alabama probably doesn't win. Probably doesn't win the deal. Yeah, a lot, so. of, a lot of people seem to think, oh, like Saban, that's a very ballsy move or a gutsy decision. But if he keeps, yeah. if he keeps Hurts in there, obviously Hurts wasn't doing anything against the Georgia defense anyway. So what really does he have to lose? And he knows that the way to beat Georgia is through the air, and Hurts wasn't able to do that. Then and you know you have a guy like Tua in the back, you know, as a backup who's a very gifted passer and I mean he's, he throws a special ball. Then why wouldn't you use him? I guess I think a lot of people are are overreacting to the decision to bench Hurts and go with the freshman. Like again, the circumstances involved make this rather unique and I guess remarkable, but. Forever! Oh, what a gutsy move by Saban. Clearly, you weren't watching the first half because Hertz wasn't able to do anything. And if you know this guy can can throw the ball down the field and make some plays, you'd be crazy not to do it. I think you you would rightfully criticize Saban had he kept Hertz in the game. I mean, so even if even let's say Georgia wins twenty to thirteen, like let's say that uh, that seven yard touchdown pass that. That two are through to to Calvin Ridley. Let's say that the Georgia guy gets his hands in there, and the Georgia's able to run the clock out. Would you really be criticizing Saban today, saying, "Oh, if he had just kept Jalen Hurts in there, Alabama might have won"? No, you'd be like, "Okay, Tua actually got them down and had a chance, and it just wasn't meant to be." So I, I think people are overreacting a little bit to this decision by Nick Saban to bench Hurts for Tua. I just don't ever remember anybody ever doing this. Right. Championship game benching your quarterback. It, I don't ever remember it happening. Uh, just, I mean, I'll, you know, he's, he's the greatest of all time, and mm-hmm. this was his one final stamp. I'm bringing in my backup quarterback, who's actually better than my starter, but we have him on the bench, and that's what won, won them the game. And that's, I mean, like if, let's say Case Keenum is playing badly, are they going to put in Ted for the Super Bowl? I mean, that's kind of what this was. It might be a ballsy damn move to mm-hmm. do that. And maybe uh, Zimmer would. Who knows? They get there. Yeah. But that's, I mean, if you are in a championship game, I mean, you are sticking with your starter. And I, I don't imagine many teams have a backup as good as this guy. So they don't even have that option of, I'm going to bench my starter for this backup. There's a backup for a reason because he's, not as good as the starter, so I give I give old Saban all the credit credit for putting this guy in. Yep, 
No, and and I agree. That I, you give him credit for for making the decision, but I, I don't know how many other coaches in the same situation would have done. Well, he's, I don't know. he's only tied with Bear Bryant now for six national okay. championships, so clearly he's, he he knows what he's doing a little bit here, right? <laughs> I think he's getting one more on it today. He's getting up there in the uh, mid upper sixties now. One more, I think he can probably get it. They've won five in the last nine years. I think the old record was five in 16 years, uh, fewest years to win five titles. Old record was 16 years. They did it in almost half the time. Yeah, he's going to finish that. They were one play away last year from winning five and eight. Uh, it's going to be maybe six and nine. So that's it's, it's a great dynasty, them in New England. But Alabama's been doing this for a decade and uh, the Patriots have almost done it for 20 years now. Don't so forget the North Dakota State University Bison, who just won their sixth national championship in seven years. Oh, we, don't, we, don't talk, we, don't talk, we don't talk intramurals. We talk about uh, <laughs> okay. college football, <laughs> professional football. We don't talk goddamn intramurals here. <laughs> well said. By the way, North Dakota State lucky to beat James Madison because um, James Madison outplayed them uh, for sure in the second half. And I think uh, North Dakota State was definitely the beneficiary of a couple of questionable calls. The fumble at the end of the first half I don't agree with. Um, and some poor play calling there by James Madison after the fake punt. But regardless, congrats to North Dakota State for winning their sixth national championship in seven years. Yada, yada, yada. Um, any other thoughts from the national championship game or uh, just the, the college football season in general? I like ESPN when they do all the extra stuff with the coaches thing and all that stuff. Uh, when they got the people in the room talking about it, I like that with Bill Walton was there last year, and this year they just completely fucked that up. To, <laughs> it was unfair. They had, I don't know if you saw it. They had five different screens on one. Uh, Dan Lebertard's show was doing something. Uh, they were in New York. They were in L.A. Yep, I know. They like were, Rachel Nichols and Jalen Rose and th- those guys were doing yes, something in had, L.A. They had some other thing. They had one in at ESPN. I only saw it for a couple minutes, but it's it was bad. I mean, that's unnecessary. And, and I don't know how. Maybe on ESPN three you could switch between them, but there were five different. There were six screens on the thing. And five of them were all these people talking, and they would switch it every, I don't know, a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, however long it took, and they would switch it, and then you could hear what they were saying. But screens were too small to be anything, and two, that was way too much, way too much. Uh, coaches thing, that's always good. I hate, to, I hate to do this here, but you mentioned ESPN. Um there's an article last week. Uh, who do I hate Don't in sports put, more why than... Why would you... Why... You, uh, to... You, I know. mention the guy. I know. Don't mention him. Okay. Dan Patrick today... Dan Patrick said he talked about him with Reggie Miller a little bit. And he says, we had a chance to have this guy in the show, but we've declined. We don't want to give him the platform. Right. Oh, so yeah. That's absolutely. That's what people should do. And so... They I, I, yeah. I think ESPN should be rightly criticized for... Now, now, There's John, no reason to send a reporter over to Europe to cover this. This is no, not. It, yeah. This is not a story of any significance. But and, apparently, people must click on it and watch it because 
if, if you as I always say, if you want to know why something happens, it's because of money. So people must be clicking on this and yes. reading it, and there must be interest there yep. about this stupid piece of shit. Yeah, everyone hates everyone hates him. Say, hey, get get this guy off the screen. If you don't know by now, initials are LB, and there's a three Bs uh, business in there. But uh, I mean. Obviously, yeah, you're right. It, they are getting clicks, and people say, "Oh, I hate you talking about this guy and everything." Like, stop putting a microphone in his face. But obviously, you're doing this to drive traffic and content. Here, I resisted clicking on a link today regarding the brothers and their professional debut um, in Lithuania. But yes, I mean, to set it all up here, I'm just gonna say that Jeff Goodman was sent over there. And by the way, when he was on Sports Center last week. Uh, he was on the six with uh, Jamel Hill and and uh, Michael Smith, and Jamel Hill was interviewing him about this, and you could tell how did, that she would much rather talk about just about anything else other than what uh, Jeff Goodman was in Lithuania covering. I think uh, she was slightly disgusted by what was going on, and it has trickled down now where people are rightfully criticizing the um, the. The article, the column, whatever, you know, Jeff Goodman, you know, say, oh, like, Luke Walton has lost the team, according to, to one dumbass um, whose son might play for the Lakers. Anyway, uh, the NBA Coaches Association, uh, Rick Carlisle, who's the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, he, he's, you know, they wrote a, a letter up and, you know, condemning ESPN and now uh, uh, Stan Van Gundy. Is uh, he says he's not he's going to boycott the ESPN crew for the Detroit Pistons January nineteenth game. I hope he goes through with this, but uh, there's there's starting to become more of a backlash, and I'm glad to see it. So good, uh, good on the NBA, uh, the the coaches and Stan Van Gundy and all these guys for starting to fight back and say, yeah, this guy is a complete waste of time. He's a piece of shit. Uh, get him out of here. Get him out of sight. Out of mind. Steve Kerr had some good things to say as well. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to cover the guy. What? What? Yeah. Uh, if good, good thing that I heard today was if, uh, if I'm Magic Johnson, I say, uh, Father Ball, either you just shut the hell up, quit, quit talking, stay out of this. You, you don't know anything that's going on. Your opinions irrelevant. You're just like the president. You don't know anything about what anything is going on, and if you continue this, your son won't be playing here at all. We're going to trade him somewhere else, and uh, sooner or later, this is going to affect this kid who seems to be a decent enough player. But there's there's no reason to have this guy talking like he is. Um, I, I would trade this kid if he keeps this up. And it's. It, it. You just go on the NBA page on ESPN and the shit's everywhere. This is just awful. Just awful stuff on this page. I, I mean, I feel bad for Jeff Goodman because I'm sure he'd much rather be covering like college basketball or something far more relevant than this garbage. Um, Indiana and Penn State. Yeah, hell, do that. He'd much rather do yeah. that, I, I would have to imagine. Um Yeah, it, it's just the, be- the best news that came out, though, is that the Better Business Bureau... Gave the business the 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 BBB uh, the, that uh, LB yep. has uh, an F uh, so good because this brand is shit 
Um, people are dumb if you buy it. Uh, this is, I mean, yes, free country. Uh, you could do whatever you want, but uh, you make uh, stu- what I would. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, I guess. But uh, I think anyone who tries to support this or buys anything associated with this brand deserves to be ridiculed. They really do. I agree. Little Little Noah is not going to be in any flip flops from the BBB. I can guarantee you that much. The big baller, big baller Noah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well, I would much rather have him go and joke him Noah's fashion line. I don't even know if Joe Kim Noah has a fashion line. We'll have to find that out. Um, but um, yeah, so either way, um, just wanted to get that in there. Um, just shame on you, ESPN, for the garbage. Um, and I don't know. I hope Jeff Goodman didn't volunteer for this. Um, if he did, my opinion of him goes slightly down. I feel I feel sorry for him that he has to be in the middle of Europe right now in the cold. But anyway, um, anything else NBA related that you want to get to? No. Okay. All right. Um, NHL. No, we don't need to talk about that. Um, the Vegas, the Vegas team sticking strong. Look at this bunch from Vegas. What? What did I was it? Penguins, Penguins, Vegas. My new pick. Uh, Vegas, get that one seat. It's phenomenal what they've done. I mean. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be a last place operation. You know that you're an expansion team. You're getting like the essentially the the discards from. <laughs> you're not getting any top tier talent from any teams here, and and they are trading picks left and right. And they they have a seven point lead in the Pacific Division right now. And as you mentioned, they're the one seed in the West. It's just absolutely phenomenal stuff. And meanwhile, you have a team like the Minnesota Wild who are just scraping at the bottom of the barrel, and it's. Yeah. In, Embarrassing. Boo. Boo. Um, the the hot stove, uh, we're, we're still working on repairs, but we're trying to get the coals, uh, but doesn't really seem like anything's going on. Why is it so quiet? Blame Trump. Okay. Sucks. Uh, I, I think teams just don't want to give shitty players big money. Like, Eric Cosmer is like one of the top players. I don't think he's going to be good. And he's probably going to get seven years, $150 million. That's stupid. That is stupid for some $20 million for somebody like him. That's, that's not good. So I think they just, they're, they're shy. They don't want to give up big contracts. I think Hugh Darvish is worthy of a contract. J.D. Martinez is worthy of one. Jake Arrieta is decent. Uh, it's, there's not a huge, there's not a ton of big names compared to next year where all the big names are out there. But and this is getting a bit ridiculous now. Again. We're, I mean, nothing's going to happen this week. Uh, they got a lot of arbitration stuff going on this week, so that's going to take up their time. And we're coming up on a month away here from, uh, a week from now, we'll be, we'll be a month away from spring training starting, and these guys don't know where the hell they're going to go yet. So, somebody's going to do something. Nobody's done anything. Rob Manfred needs to get control of the situation. If he can't get control of the Marlins, uh, he's losing control of the sport. Come on, Rob. We like you, Rob, shit. but uh, you you got to get some shit going here. Oh, well, fuck. If, if, if something doesn't happen in, in two weeks, what was it? There's, a, a, there's like 150 free agents this year, and 30 of them have signed. That's 20%. The number I saw was 18%. 18% of the free agents have signed. 
One in five have signed right now. Wade Davis is probably the biggest name. But, and why? I mean, weren't a lot of deals getting done, you know, around the winter meetings here last yeah. year and the year before? I mean, what gives for the delay? Well, you got, you got J.D. Martinez. He's probably the guy that could make the most. I think he's going to end up in Boston uh, as a DH because he's going to hit a bunch of home runs if they need home runs in Boston. I don't know what the fuck they're waiting for there. Uh, you Darvish, it'd be great if they could if the Twins could get him. I think yep. longer it longer it goes, the better it is for the Twins. But Darvish, I think he'll go uh, no big market. And Jake Arrieta, who knows where he could go? It's we're just waiting. I mean, some dominoes got to fall here. Greg Holland, we're waiting for him. Uh, Wade Davis got three years, fifty million or whatever the hell it was from. Maybe it was four years, sixty million from. The Rockies and Greg Holland's probably going to get the same contract, so we're waiting on him. Not, not. I think teams are afraid to to have a bad contract for whatever reason. I don't know why, but uh, it's probably a good change. It doesn't mean that this has to take two months for anybody to sign. I mean, it shouldn't take this long. Uh, college basketball. You said last week hey, that uh, yeah, well, we're going to try and get to. A lot of college basketball talk here throughout January and February. He said last week that it, the that the college basketball season wasn't doing anything for you like it was last year. Uh, this week, a lot of upsets. Uh, Michigan State, a no-show against Ohio State. Xavier loses. Our Xavier squad loses on the road at Providence. Uh, did anything... A lot of upsets this week, but did anything really uh, trip your trigger? I mean, West Virginia... Uh, uh, Oklahoma was great. TCU almost beat Kansas, so that was that was good to see. Uh, what what uh, what uh, floated your boat? Nothing, nothing last week. Yeah, upsets. What Duke lost? Duke, uh, Duke yeah. lost somebody. Yep, to North, North Carolina North State. Carolina. Is that correct? I think so. Yep, they beat Duke, so that's good. Uh, Virginia beat my Carolina squad. Just a dog shit of a game. Oh, yeah, good to see TCU. Put up a fight, A and M lost, so they were kind of a hot team early on. A and M, Arizona State barely off. survived. Yep, Arizona seems to be on the come, but they lost to Colorado. Uh, Tennessee seems to be okay. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, no, no, on the Kentucky side. Again, we talked about Texas Tech last week. They played with Oklahoma for a bit, but looks like Oklahoma is gonna gonna beat them. Trey Young, uh, phenomenal. Trey Young, yep, phenomenal. Trey, yeah, we gotta, gotta watch this Trey Young guy. See what the fuck he's all about. Uh, could this be the year Kansas finally doesn't win the conference? I think it might be. Um, they don't look good right now. Big 12's loaded. They'll, pro- they'll probably win it because they always do. Um, yeah, Texas Tech seems okay. Oklahoma, you know, it's Trey Young. They seem exciting. Uh, yeah, TCU, they're gonna make the tournament. So they're a good team. Uh, West Virginia's always good. So Big 12's got some teams. Uh, Big Ten, Big Ten looks like shit. Big Ten doesn't look very good. <laughs> the way the way I thought, they, they might get six teams in. Six teams is all. For Christ's sake, they got 20 in the damn conference. They only get six in. Uh, Minnesota not doing so hot. No, and they got some Seems issues like, with Reggie Lynch. There's a sexual assault charges, I guess. And uh, Minnesota is now, I guess, recommending that he be expelled. He should do that. Uh, Purdue, Purdue's a team. Uh, Wisconsin looks like they're not going to recover from their slow start. Uh, yeah, Northwestern, uh, disappointed they're done for. Yep, Indiana, so they, they, nothing. They, 
Yeah, Big Ten doesn't look any good. Yeah, Indiana not, not anything special. So, uh, yeah, big, the big is bad. Auburn, somehow Auburn is 14-1. and one. Uh, Did I mention last, I mean, this, I mean, they're sure the season's going to be vacated pretty soon, but, uh, yeah, Auburn, uh, I guess they can score a lot of points. Seems like everybody can score a lot of points. Whoever's good can score a lot of points. Uh, Virginia is third in the country, warms my heart. Warms my heart to know when they're third in the country. They're playing Syracuse. Syracuse lost to Notre Dame Saturday. The score was like 50 to 49. So awful. So awful. You see that? Yeah, oh yeah. Notre Dame was one for their first 16 or 14 from the field. It was terrible. Terrible. And they won the game. Virginia's, uh, Syracuse does well against Virginia. And uh, they're in a, a rock fight right now. The over-under for Syracuse, Virginia was 113 and a half points. Oh, my God. Take the under. <laughs> That's about, you know, about a 60-50, 60-52 game. Virginia was favored by nine and a half. They're on pace to be right there, about 100, 120 points. So that's that's disgusting. And it's, yeah, when Tony Bennett's still fairly young, but whenever he gets out of the game, it'll be a great day for basketball. Uh, you mean, got, but he's on the Summit League cover. At, I mean, what would we look at great. then at the at the Summit League tournament? If, I mean, will he still be on the program? Here's my deal. If, if your school is no longer in the conference, get the hell off for the program. That, you know what? I, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. We, oh, well, we, we remember when we were the mid-continent. Okay, are you the mid-continent anymore? Yeah, no. Nope. George Hill, pretty good player, but, uh, you know, IUPY still in the league, at least I guess for one more year, so she's going to be all uh, Dakota stuff. You got, uh, I'm watching Georgetown St. John's. They went through a little bit of a stretch here while, you were, while we were talking. It uh, looked uh, disgusting. Disgusting it looked like. Uh, Georgetown got some pretty goddamn nice uniforms. These uh, almost look like uh, the Hornets. Pretty good. Well, I mean, Patrick Ewing was made. an assistant with Charlotte. He will. And these, these uniforms are popping. Uh, St. Uh, Georgetown just hit a three. And uh, St. John just dunked it with 10 seconds left. So, good, uh, good little game there between a couple of shit teams. But uh, Purdue is ranked fifth, for Christ's sake. Uh, prediction, I think Purdue loses... Tuesday night on the road to Michigan, like Michigan. Also got to Seton Hall is ranked thirteenth for Christ's sake. Seton Hall thirteenth. Yeah. Uh, what, I, 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 that, that Seton Hall team, I tell you what, that's a really good team. Angel Delgado is really good. I know they have a couple other good players. They got hosed last year. Was it last year against Arkansas in the eight nine matchup? I believe it was. Oh, that was, that was a great game. Uh, great game. Great game, but they got hosed with several calls there. Um, I think Seton Hall is a team that you want to watch out for this year, but I'm a little hesitant because they're a bad free throw shooting team, or at least they were last year. So you don't like that. Looking at the SEC, which I think is uh, usually garbage, um, they probably get five, maybe six teams in. Missouri clean uh, for dear life. Yeah, Missouri not so great. LSU. Uh, I thought Alabama would be better. Uh, this year with Avery Johnson, but they don't look good. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what Tennessee's all about. I think they'll get in, but uh, this is such a weird year. It does. Like last year, we knew. I mean, Carolina was good. Gonzaga was good. Uh, Villanova, they they were good till they got upset. 
uh, Duke had all those injuries off like 10 games. So last year, we, we there was a couple teams at least we knew, all right, this year I think is the opposite. And a lot of people like Duke and Michigan State, and here we are about two months into the season and they're still they're still in the you know among I'm in the mix right there mm. Villanova yep. is always good but I think uh, hopefully a, a deep tournament hopefully you know go look at four, five, six seeds uh, so oh, I could see this team making a run oh yeah I, so I, this is going to be an incredibly difficult year to pick any teams I'm going to give you one conference right? okay it's the ACC 12 of the 15 teams in this conference have double-digit wins. And yet you have some, like Syracuse, not going to make the tournament most likely. I mean, Virginia Tech's on the outside looking in. NC State, I Boston College, they're probably not making it. I don't think Louisville's going to make it. Uh, they're 11-4 right now. There's just a lot of mediocrity. And it's, it's, it's just difficult to comprehend. And even in the Pac-12... Uh, Oregon, I don't think they're they aren't going to get in. They're one and two right now. They're eleven five overall. Uh, we'll see if uh, Colorado can make a comeback. USC's been a very disappointing team this year. What about Utah? I don't know. I mean, Washington is twelve and four. Oregon State's uh, come back a lot. I mean, I think the Pac twelve might only get four teams tops. So let me ask you this: Are we going to see a lot of mid majors come in? I so can I just. Let's say SDSU goes undefeated in conference play. No, don't. God, why do why, Zach? Why every <laughs> goddamn year we have the same fucking discussion of goddamn at large? I said, you you asked for oh, mid-majors. I'm giving you a mid-major. Not, no, 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 not them. Not them. If, if SDSU wins every game on their schedule and loses the title game and four overtimes by one point, they're not getting it. That's a shame. Coming down to that Colorado no, loss, not. I tell they, you. They shouldn't get in. Colorado, what are we, they're, no, they're not get, Buffalo is going to be their best win. Buffalo is going to be their best win. SDSU was like 71 in RPI. So we're starting to see some changes here getting into conference play. RPIs starting to get to better. By the way, St. how bad John is Omaha? The big dog, St. John, just put up a big dog shit of a three. You could say, fuck you, St. John's. <laughs> Old Pat Ewing gives it to Mullen one more time. We'll switch over here to something else. Uh, yeah, Omaha doesn't appear to be very good. Uh, USD loses to North Dakota State. Um, I guess DSC is the best team. They yep. are the best team in this conference right here. Yep. Men uh, men going up to what the AAC? You got what uh, Cincinnati? You got Wichita State? So you got some stuff there. Um, I haven't looked too much. Uh, beyond that, I think uh, ACC can get nine, maybe ten teams in there. Yeah, I mean, they're not coming from the Big Ten. Uh, Pac-12, there's been so Pac-12 has been some years where it's like, well, they maybe get two or three in. So uh, yeah, Pac-12 does not look good. Arizona looks like the best team, and you got UCLA, and maybe Washington's good. Other than that, not. Not good. Not good. And you were the one who said, you know, that the UCF would make the 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 tournament this year. They, I think, the AAC is going to get three, no more than four teams in, and UCF certainly looks like they could do it. What Taco Fall is that the guy's name? Um, Taco Fall, big, big tall, fun of a gun. The A10 St. Bonaventure was a, a team a lot of people had their eyes on, myself included. Uh, 
They're one and two in conference play, eleven and four overall. I think they could still sneak in. Uh, Rhode Island and Duquesne are both undefeated in conference play right now. VCU's two and one, but they're ten and six overall. I don't, this might be the year that VCU does not get in. Uh, but overall, the A10 does not look very good. So I think you're just going to get a lot of average teams, like you say, from the AAC and maybe even the SEC. I think that's where the the two major conferences that are going to benefit the most, and they probably don't deserve it. Yeah, again, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of teams. The, the American, I think, get four teams in. So, yeah, Americans, yeah, Wichita State, Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, Houston is a 12-3. and three. Uh, SMU is a 12-5. and five. Yep. So I, think, uh, I think the American could maybe get as many as the Pac-12. <laughs> very, very possible. Very possible. Mountain West getting to uh, my Nevada squad. I think the Boise State's making the deal. But, you know, now, Nevada has not played quite as well as we thought they would here. Well, they, they lost three games. One was to Texas Tech. One was to TCU. Both close games. They lost. They lost to San Francisco by two. That's a terrible loss. But uh, they just keep on rolling. They're going to win 25 games. They'll be uh, a 12 seed, 11 seed. Well, we can only hope that both them and Boise make it. That would be great. We could fill in the map nicely with uh, with teams from there. So that that's excellent. St. Mary's, Gonzaga, they always make it. They'll yep. be in the mix. What about Portland? Does Portland have a chance? Fuck. No. <laughs> or San Diego. I'm sorry. Not Portland. Portland. San Diego. Sure, Portland. Portland's 12-4. and four. San Diego's 12-4. No. and four. San Diego's 12-4, no. BYU thirteen and four. Did they get in? No. Okay. All right. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this one. Well. Um, so we'll talk more college basketball next week. Uh, but now, well, let's just get a little reaction in the wild card weekend, and then if you have some divisional picks, we could get to that. Um, easily the best game of the weekend was Panthers. Uh, say, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it was it was Bills Jaguars. What am I talking about? Best game of the weekend. Um, it was like the, it was like the Bills Colts game without the snow. <laughs> so so not good then. Um, I thought Titans Chiefs was relatively decent because of the way that Kansas City melted down and you know Marcus Mariota channeling his inner Brad Johnson with that touchdown catch and run phenomenal stuff there. Uh, the Chiefs for whatever reason. Um, not good. I don't know who's calling the plays there in the game, but it, it somehow led to Matt Nagy getting the head coaching job at Chicago. So I don't know. Nagy! I, I thought Nagy! of you and immediately when I got the job. I was like, Nagy, no one else is going to get that but you and me. No one else. Very happy that he's there. So I, so I can say that. Yeah. So that, that that's that's excellent stuff. Um, definitely uh, good there. Uh, so that was interesting. The the. The Rams just decided to piss it down their legs. Uh, special teams, which they have what three All Pros on the on special teams: Farrell Cooper, returner Greg the Leg, uh, their, their kicker, and then Sam Hecker. Uh, their oh. no, not Sam Hecker, but Hecker, their uh, their their punter. They all made the Pro Bowl, and uh, special teams cost the Rams in this game against the Falcons. Couple of turnovers. Uh, Todd Gurley and Jared Goff couldn't get anything going, so the Falcons go in and and uh, get the win. So that was nice. Uh, Bills Jaguars a, a battle of defenses. Uh, Blake Bortles runs for more than he throws. That's a uh, 
That's a bottles fact there. It's not good. Let, let's uh, pull up the old Twitter machine here and check out some more Bortles facts for you. Oh, Bortles facts. He, uh, he is 2-1 uh, and one all time against the Steelers, I believe. Maybe 2-0 and oh in the regular season. Uh, yeah, go, go Bortles. Go Bortles. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's see. There had to have been some stats from, from that game, though, that... Uh, well, Bortles facts are just more bullshit. Uh, oh, I know, but that—that's what I'm—that's what I'm looking for. Here is, uh, here we go. He was, yeah. Let Let's see. I, I just wanted to see if there was anything from Sunday that we could take just to, just to see. And uh, let's see. First quarterback to run more than it passed for among those who didn't beat their dogs. So that's good. Oh, oh. Uh, Blake Bortles didn't need eight seasons to throw twelve touchdown passes at Chris Sims. That's a he's never lost a Super Bowl. He's never been accused of sexual assault like the Pittsburgh quarterback has. Yep, never lost to a team coached by John Gruden. Yep. Uh, let's see. He has more wins this year than Brady, Wentz, Carr, Dara Wilson, Eli Manning, Roethlisberger, Rodgers. <laughs> Garoppolo, Cam Newton, uh, Peyton Manning, Wyatt Tittle, Brett Favre, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, and Philip Rivers. Blake Bortles has more wins than all of those guys combined in 2018. <laughs> I see this. That's great. Uh, despite having 55 sacks on the season, the Jaguars' defense hasn't sacked Blake Bortles. So, uh, hey, he, he's only stupid son of a gun. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, he's not beating the Bills. On two different continents. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, let's see. Uh, is the only quarterback in NFL history to never hurt a dog and to win a game with more rushing yards than passing yards? He's the guy. That's what He's we call. That's what we call dual threat. He's never lost a playoff game. Um, yeah. There we go. He's the best playoff record. Nobody has a better playoff record than him. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that, that's interesting. So that that was the I guess that's the highlight of the Jaguars Bills game, and then Saints Panthers. Uh, we we dissected it a little bit here that the Saints really let the Panthers um, back into this game. I thought the Panthers golden opportunity early on. Uh, wide receiver drops it in the end zone. Cam Newton threw an absolutely perfect pass to him. Then they miss a chip shot, twenty five yard field goal, and. Ultimately, that came back to bite him. And you have a first and 10 at the 21 with like 40 seconds left. I don't know why you don't maybe try and do a couple of runs with Cam Newton. I know his bell was rung earlier and there's some you know concussion protocol issues now that the league is looking at. But um, I don't know. I thought the play calling there at the end for the Panthers was not very good. And Drew Brees was vintage Drew Brees because the rushing game couldn't do anything and he had to do it all through the air so that was that was big and that included the what the 70 80 yard touchdown that ted ginn had so um that was that was a good day by by the saints by by drew Brees, uh but they got away by the teeth of their um by the by the skin of their teeth yep i would have been fine playing carolina because their quarterback looked beat up yep beat up is what it did good good little finish there good finish uh yeah, you you did not want a lead. If you had a lead, that was probably a bad deal in the playoffs this week. Yes. Oh yes. Um, 
Most definitely. So as we head now to NFL Divisional, uh, any other thoughts from Wild Card oh, Weekend? Titans, Chiefs, Titans, Chiefs with my game. What a, what a collapse. Again, Kansas City. I mean, as a Viking fan, I feel bad for Kansas City. I mean, Dave. This was, you know, they had the big one against the Colts a couple of years ago. That was bad. Uh, they had one at home in a Coons age. I don't know what to do there. I mean, they're a good team. But play calling or what the hell it is. What Kareem Hunt had. 11 five carries? Five carries in the second half. Yeah. Six it's... carries in the first quarter. Five in the second half. I don't know how you, uh, whether this is Andy Reid. I assume it's Andy Reid calling these plays. Got the sniggy guy. And, uh, yeah, that's, he's going to be awful with the Bears. That'll be fun. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're, again, teams that are so bad, and the Titans just turned it right around. And, uh, Alex Smith, poor Alex Smith, poor Kansas City. They just suck. They have not, they have now lost six straight home playoff games, haven't won a home playoff game since the 90s. Uh, Tennessee looked like they were out of it after Marcus Mariota threw that interception. In the red zone, uh, what they were trailing fourteen nothing, I think at that point. I thought, okay, they just don't have it. Uh, Kansas City, that offense, too good. They lose Travis Kelsey to a concussion. I don't know how big of a deal that was. I, I got to think it certainly affected them uh, somewhat because. But then you need to just rely on Charkandrick West and Kareem Hunt more to run run some clock out. Uh, it, it baffling decision, but give. Uh, Tennessee, a lot of uh, props, a lot of kudos for for coming back. I thought that was an impressive win for them when they could have easily just folded up and said, "No, thank you, we're we're done. It's cold here in Kansas City." Yeah, they, they did well. They uh, passed to himself was pretty good. Yep, um, had some crazy plays at the end. Kansas City returned it for a touchdown, so had some excitement. Excitement at the, the beginning wasn't very good, but the end was uh, end was interesting. Yeah, and Darrell Rivas gives up on that play, so that was a you know he should be out of the league now. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it, but, but Tennessee they play uh, at New England this week. Um, I I got I can't think of a easier lock I think for a pick than Patriots over Titans, and yet the Titans could surprise, but I just don't see it happening. Out of the four games this week, that is the the biggest cinch for me. Well, there. 14-point favorite. Yep. I think it was similar to when they played Houston and Osweiler last last year in the divisional round. The game was close for like, like in the third quarter, I remember like Houston, New England was close, like within 10 points or so or whatever it was. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, New England, they, uh, they do not have a difficult road. They usually do not have a difficult road to get to the Super Bowl. It'll be seven straight years. Mm-hmm. In the conference title game, that's that's quite remarkable. Uh, very Alabama esque. Very Alabama esque. Uh, I guess when you think, you know, my thing with Alabama, they really didn't play anybody this year. But fuck, they beat Clemson and they beat Georgia. When uh, when it came down to it, they they beat they beat the teams they needed to beat. So far, be it for me to say poop to Alabama. But we'll see what. Uh, what New England does, I'm sure we'd like to see Pittsburgh and New England. Uh, we'll see what Jacksonville can do. It's, uh, hope Jacksonville wins there. Their defense is really good. But uh, the Leicester quarterback, 
control the better. Yeah, I I would you know we we say that New England's probably the you know the biggest lock this week, but the other three games are all toss ups. Essentially, you can make legitimate arguments for either team. The Falcons are a, a favorite at Philadelphia. It's the first time a six seed has ever been a a favorite over the top seed. Uh, so that's that's fascinating. But the Eagles have looked like poop since Carson Wentz went down. And uh, Nick Foles just doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in anyone. So I think the Falcons, they are playing with confidence right now. And I think they can certainly go into Philly and pick up that win, uh, provided that Matt Ryan doesn't throw a bad interception or two early on in this game and it could maybe get out of hand. Uh, and then, like you, I... That week five game is is a mystery to me. How the Jaguars were able to do that, uh, and they seem to be in Ben Roethlisberger's head. But I will. I think I'll take the Steelers in that one. I'll make the official picks here uh, at the end of the podcast. But um, I, I'll lean towards Pittsburgh. But I don't say that with a great deal of confidence. And you already know what I think of the Vikings. Uh, I I'll pick them. But um, this game, as I said, it's a uh, it's making me anxious. Beyond belief, and uh, an ulcer is starting to form, and I've probably Jesus lost. Jesus I've probably lost days of sleep, uh, you know, days off my life oh. now, with uh, with all this anxiety thinking about this game because I want the win so bad. I would like them to also win. Uh, it, it should be it should be fine. Looking forward to it. Final game, three forty-five or so. Yep. The final final game. I'll put it, uh, I'm looking for him to beat the Saints, looking for him to beat the Falcons, looking for him to beat the, beat the Steelers, beat them all, we all have one from years back. Yes. It's very exciting. It's all, the revenge it could, all come to an end. it could all come to an end here on Sunday, but uh, maybe, maybe they actually get there for once. Maybe they surprise me. Maybe they surprise me by doing what they, what they should. By the grace of God, we can only hope that the Vikings win... Yes. And take down the Saints, which I say, grace of God, and they're playing the holy team, the Saints. So I don't know if that uh, that that works or not. But anyway, we'll see. Uh, do you have anything else before we say so long? Uh, we, we taped this January 9th on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the 41st anniversary of the last Viking Super Bowl appearance, January 9th of '77. It's the earliest the Super Bowl has ever played. Think about that. January 9th, Super Bowl was played. That's ridiculous. Back in '77. Sometimes the wild card weekend isn't even done by this time. No. Uh, they started the playoff on the 18th back year. They had two rounds of playoffs. Four teams made the playoffs. They didn't screw around any back then. They just did it and done. 14-game season. Get it done. Uh, it was in the Rose Bowl. I believe it was the first uh, first Super Bowl in the Rose Bowl. Was it? I thought it was the L.A. Coliseum. Oh, oh the Vikings Super Bowl. Vikings Raiders Super Bowl. Yes. It was in the Rose Bowl. It was the last Super Bowl to finish in daylight. It was the first Super Bowl in which both one seeds made it. It was also the last Super Bowl in which both kickers kicked straight on. So it was a, uh, a Super Bowl of historic proportions. I, uh, I posted it on Facebook and Twitter today. There's the Actually, from like the official NFL deal, the uh, that is that game. It's only two hours uh, long, so it's uh, watchable. Right there, and I watched 
I watched the first. I've never watched any of the Vikings Super Bowls. Not that they're easy to get. But I've never watched. You know, we've seen the highlights of them. There's not much to watch. But I've never actually watched the game of any of them. Uh, but Super Bowl Eleven, Rose Bowl, I watched the first drive. Vikings or Raiders drove down. They missed a pretty easy field goal. And uh, Vikings went three and out their first their first deal. So that's uh, maybe something I'll watch over the next couple of days. Their last Super Bowl. Well, they better not go three and out starting the game on Sunday. Look at John Madden. Well, he looks so young in this picture. It's because he yeah, is very young. At, uh, I think what Kurt Gowdy is doing the game. CBS game, I believe. If I want to say. By, by the way, John Gruden uh, is the new head coach of the Raiders. It was a, you know, who didn't know? That was funny during the telecast in the wild card game. Sean McDonough kept, um, you know, ribbing John Gruden. John's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Sean. I, I really can't say anything. And then two hours later, it's like, oh, yeah, Raiders and John Gruden have come to a deal. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that. But, um,. Yeah, John Gruden, yeah, very interesting press conference today. He's got a lot of energy. I think the Raider Raider Nation uh, loves that he's back. We'll see what he can do there. Watched a little of his press conference. Oh, uh, yeah. As we go up some 10 years, we'll see. We'll see how he does. We'll see how he does. Also, I, uh, guy tweeted, guy tweeted, I think last night, or I think it was last night, guy from Oklahoma, beat writer for the Sooners, for one of the papers down there. He said he's a voter, and he voted Central Florida number one. Ooh, that's interesting. I like it, though. It's, it fucking sucks. It's stupid. <laughs> I, think it's, I, think, I think if you look at the final poll, I think they got four number one votes, I want to think. I want to say, which is ridiculous. And uh, he, he said this. He, uh, this was late, like midnight or so. So I'd like to tweet for him here. And like he, was, like, he got a lot of attention. And he was like responding to pretty much everybody that, that tweeted at him. And um, I sent him something. I said, "This is just something to get attention." And then he achieved that. He got a lot of attention for it mm-hmm. on Twitter. And he says, "He says he couldn't care care less about the attention." So, like, well, then why the fuck did you share this with everybody? And he's like, "Well, that's what I do. I share my votes with my uh, with with my readers." I'm like, Good, good for you, guy. He said Central Florida, he voted them number one because uh, they beat Auburn and Auburn beat Alabama. That's why. You know what? That's, you know, what is that? Uh, I, I like that, that that thought process there. So, that therefore, if uh, Auburn could beat Alabama, then Central Florida could beat Alabama. Sure. That's, I'm sure that's, I mean, that's the train of thought there for him. But then I, the, the, I mean, he was very good at just answering my questions. But one thing he didn't answer, like, what what else did you use to come up with this? If that's the only thing that you use, then you're a stupid son of a bitch. I said, <laughs> I said, strength the schedule. From what I saw, Alabama had the 27th toughest schedule. Central Florida had the 72nd. Uh, Alabama was two and one versus the top ten. Central Florida one and zero. Oh. That was their bowl game. 
wins against the top 20. Alabama 5, 4-1 against top 20 teams at the end of the year. Central Florida still only 1-0. They beat what, Memphis twice. Memphis ended up 25th. In South the Florida, four. they also beat. South Florida was uh, in, the, in the 20s as well. So if Alabama and Central Florida play, telling Alabama would stop them pretty good. Yeah. Like I said, uh, did, did you use that as an example? Did you say, all right, if these two teams play, who do you think would win? He said, no, he doesn't do that. Well, like, whenever, whenever I vote in a poll, I usually go, who do I think is the best team? The team that I'm going to put at the top of my list is the team that I think would beat everybody below them. You know? If I'm, goddamn your NFL power rankings. If yeah. I'm doing the power rankings, I'm putting New England at the top of the list because I think New England beats everybody else in the league if they play. Yeah. So that's, I think Alabama proved you put Alabama number one because I think they would beat everybody else if they would play in a game. So Well, and I, I do know you have an issue like with the South Dakota high school football voting. Yeah, the football thing. Uh, there, I don't do, I don't do the, uh, the basketball, but there's one in basketball uh, Bridgewater Emory is a team. They won it last year. They were undefeated. Uh, they lost two games back-to-back nights. They lost to Key Area. Key is one class above them. And Key was number one. And they won the whole thing last year. So Key's very good. And they also lost to a team from Briar Lake, Minnesota, who was very good. Wasn't it, at the, it wasn't at the casino, was it? No. Okay. Prior Lake Lakers, they got a Prior Lake Lakers have a six nine guy named Garcia. I think he's going to be a he'll be a big time division one division one guy. And he's only a sophomore, he long six nine guy, can dribble, shoot inside outside. He was he was very good. But they lost those two games. They were number one before that. They dropped to number two because they lost to a team from Minnesota, four eight team. Minnesota, here's Bridgewater Emory, a Class B team, the lowest class, and they also lost to the best team, a class above them. So, if I was voting, I still think Bridgewater Emory is the best team. There were, they got 10 first place votes, team above them got 12, some other stupid bastard gave us some other team a first place vote, but again, uh, with polls in South Dakota, people just look at if you lose, you're going down. Even if you lose to a team better than you, if you lose to a team in a class above you, doesn't matter. They don't care about context. You're moving down. I think it's stupid. Yep. And it's dumb. Yep. No, I agree completely. Um, and last thing here, I did register for uh, the Summit League tournament. So, uh, oh my assuming God. no, assuming nothing happens with little Noah here that would cause me to have to stay back in Fargo, I will be down at the Summit League tournament once again. Thank you, and when, thank uh, you, thank you to Kelsey for allowing me to go down here because um, I said I don't. Good wife. I, good wife. Yes. Yep. She's phenomenal. She's the best. And hopefully, yeah, she's the best. A lot better than other folks. A lot, a lot better than the wives of other people we know. <laughs> uh, I know who you're talking about. You know, yeah, I know who you're about. talking about. Uh, Charlie Hildebrand, hopefully uh, he holds to his statements of coming down. If it's just for a day or a weekend, hopefully uh, Charlie Hildebrand gets there. And that would mean we would need to make another trip to Buffalo Wild Wings there, regardless if it's our normal uh, Sunday night ritual or if it's Saturday or, even hell, even Monday. Um, SD 
you see men and women both get those one seeds when they play on Saturday. Sunday means that's a bullshit day. And that's when you leave the uh, second game at 4, 4.30 to go to China Buffet. Then you go from there. That's right. It's only a couple months away. Less than a couple months away. I'm very much looking, looking forward. Less than. Yes, looking forward to it. Travis, as always, I, I thank you for the time, and uh, we'll hopefully chat next week, my friend, and chat about a Viking victory. Fingers crossed. Eyes crossed. Everything it's very crossed. Big game. It's a very big game. We're two games away from something. Yes. All right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Survive the snow, my friend. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Crins joining us, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time and efforts, as always. Great stuff there. A lot of entertainment. I hope you are entertained by it as well. Swearing aside, it's just passion. It's passion. Um, that's what this is here on the Sports Block Podcast. Here, uh, coming up next, Charlie Hildebrand uh, will get his reaction to the NCAA championship game. Final thoughts on the season, then we'll wrap up with the NFL divisional picks. Um, and a brief look back at the wild card weekend as well. Here, that's all wrapping up here this week's edition of Sports Block Podcast. Now available on iTunes. All right, we continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and uh, pleased to be joined by good friend and resident college football expert Charlie Hildebrand. And uh, Charlie, what a we were just talking here before we got on air. Uh, a remarkable college football national championship game, not one of the best of all time, but certainly uh, the latter stages of this game, there was a lot of drama on the line here. Yeah, I know you, you texted me that you wanted to do one here after the game, and I was like, hey, that sounds like fun. So the whole time I was kind of thinking, like, oh, what is going to stick out? And it's like, oh, well, you know, Georgia just kind of looks better. And then it was, oh, well, maybe Alabama. And then, you know, you got a missed field goal, goes to overtime. I was thinking, oh, man, once, once Alabama missed that field goal, I was just like, oh, no, this just doesn't feel, this feels like Georgia's going to win. They've got all the momentum and just – didn't work out that way. Uh, what's his name? The glasses kicker for Georgia. Blankenship. Long field goal. Yeah, Blanken. Rodrigo Blankenship. And it did not even end up mattering. Yeah. I, and I don't know. Two of them go. Whatever. The quarterback for Alabama. The backup quarterback who replaced the starter at halftime as the strangest two-play sequence ever to end that game where he had a, took a sack that should have lost them the title game. Mm-hmm. and answered on the next play with a touchdown pass that won them the national title game. And it's tough to get a two-play sequence like that. And I guess that's what made me think that this game was rather remarkable is the ending. Not the overall game. It's not the best game you'll ever see. But just the the way it came down there at the end, of course. I mean, Georgia's thinking, oh, we don't have a... You know, here's Alabama. They're going to score. You know, they're going to kick the game-winning field goal. We're going to lose in overtime here. Uh, Papanakis, or whatever his name is, uh, misses the field goal for Alabama. There's renewed life for Georgia. I even thought, though, after the after the field goal, I was like, okay, you're not going to stop this this freshman phenom quarterback for Alabama who's I, – I still can't pronounce his name, Tuga Lavoilo or something. I – you know, it is, he's just superb. We'll just call him the superb freshman quarterback, the freshman phenom quarterback for Alabama. But then he takes a sack. He's the starter for the next two years at Alabama oh. before he leaves early to go to the NFL. Oh, no doubt. Jalen Hurts, as much as, you know, he was gracious after the game, just, you know, say, hey, you know, 
I told uh, Tulo to do his thing. You know he's going to be looking to transfer because he knows he isn't going to see any more playing time after this unless it's garbage. Or uh, and side note on that, like what the hell are they interviewing him after the game for? Like he didn't play <laughs> the whole second half. They didn't score when he was in the game, so he didn't do anything particularly good. And I'm not saying that to knock him. Right. I'm saying that he was not the guy to interview. He didn't do anything in the game. And also, he probably, like, feels awful because it's like, oh, yeah, I literally just lost my starting spot. Now I've got to think of where I'm going to transfer to because I'm not going to stay here. Right. Or a guy that's younger than me and has more eligibility is going to start in front of me. And they're like, hey, what's that? This guy questions on national television. Yeah. Very, I yeah. don't know, it's just, like, not just that, but it feels like, okay, you, you interview Nick Saban, makes sense. You interview the freshman phenom quarterback, makes sense. Like, why don't, why don't you grab the kid that caught the game-winning touchdown or one of the Alabama front seven defenders, or Minka Fitzpatrick, who probably could have said more as opposed to, like, yeah, let's, let's rub more salt in the wound to this guy, the only guy that's bad on Alabama right now. Well, or the kicker to say, how relieved are you for missing that uh, field yeah. goal and you get bailed out there. Uh, Tua took a Vilo, Vilo, Viloa. Well, however, it's Tua. We'll call him Tua. Phenomenal, because Alabama... Not saying they, it was a lackluster performance there in the first half. Georgia's defense played really well. Alabama couldn't get anything going offensively. Hertz was the only one who could do anything, and he was doing it with his legs. Uh, but they couldn't move the ball through the air. You hear, I guess, you know, things about Tua being such a great passer. And Nick Saban knew that that's how they would have to beat Georgia because they weren't generating any other offense here. So... I mean, it's a national championship game. You're going to pull out any, you know, you're going to pull any tricks you can, or you're going to take every page out of the book. Well, just that, that's the crazy thing, though, is most coaches wouldn't change their quarterback in a title game, though. I mean, they so it opens yourself up to so much second guessing if it doesn't work. That people like he would like as great as Saban is, if they would have put in this other guy and he would have stunk up the joint for four drives. And they had to put Hurts back in and would have lost, then Saban would be raked over the coals. I mean, right, but, but at the same time, like to show that, like, coaches, like, you remember the when Alabama beat LSU in the title game yep. in 2011? Yep. That they had the, I, I'm blanking on the quarterbacks. I, I, they, they had one guy that started most of the year and then he got hurt, and then they kind of played two guys throughout the season, LSU did. And they never made a quarterback change in that game. And everyone was like, oh, well, why didn't you make a change, Miles? Or Wes Miles, because he was the head coach. And then like, oh, well, you know, we, we wanted to do this. And it's just that in, in games like that, it's so hard to be like, you know what? We're going to do something different now this late in the year. And Saban's going to get credit for it the whole offseason. Because it worked out. It did. I guess to play devil's advocate there, here, though, Georgia's dominating up 13 to nothing, and their defense is dominating. The offense was doing okay. I mean, Fromm was doing just fine. But Alabama needed to figure out a way to manufacture some points. So wouldn't, you, wouldn't Saban have also been criticized had he kept Hurts in, the, as you mentioned, with Les Miles in that decision? I think he knew, and he knew what he had in Tua. So to be able to... He, like I said, he knew he knew what he had. So if it's just truly, you know, oh, he's a freshman, is the is the 
game is the you know the pressure going to be too much for the kid if that's the only thing that would have held him back from taking him I mean he's clearly the better guy to attack the Georgia defense so I think it I give Saban a lot of credit but I also understand from the, the other side of you know that it takes a lot of guts to pull your starting quarterback who by the way is only 25 and 2 as a starter for you in two years yeah, I mean, like what what you said, I think is correct. But it's always tougher to pull your starter than it is to not pull your starter. Because I mean, like, by no means am I saying Hertz was playing great, but I mean, and we'll never know. Part of me wonders if they could have just been like, you know what, we're going to try to plug this out anyways. It might not have worked, but I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm, I'm rambling, so I'll stop. But it's, Changing, changing your quarterback was a tough move, and it worked out for him. It did. And, I mean, that's... I mean, I can't think of a time it's happened in, like, the last 20 years where a team's made a change at quarterback, like, unless because the guy got hurt and you're forced to. And, it, like, it working out, too. And it seemed like when he led the Alabama to that first touchdown, it was 13-7, like, okay, now Alabama's got all this momentum going on here. Georgia needs an answer. And Fromm delivered, what, like an 80-yard touchdown pass it was you know they started the drive from inside their 10 and Georgia reclaims this lead it's 20 to 7 you think okay now Georgia has this and then Alabama just kept chipping away and I I will say it again I think Georgia was playing not to lose they're playing that prevent defense and what does prevent defense do Charlie it prevents you from winning uh, and I, I think I think it might be some of that I think part of it also is that the Georgia defense I mean, especially late in the game, I think just got worn out and worn down. Like, I mean, like the, the, the two kinds of worn down, I mean, there's like what Alabama used to do and what Wisconsin does or Stanford was like, we're just going to smash your face for four or five yards every play, which is effective. And it wasn't so much that. It's like the, okay, your defensive line and everyone that's rushing the quarterback is going to have to run 40 yards on every play to try to catch this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's going to jump up in the pocket and make you miss. And then we're going to start going with a little bit of tempo. And it's just it's just exhausting when the other team has success and can move the ball on offense. But, I mean, and that's why teams do it. And I think, like, I, by no means am I saying that's, like, the reason that Alabama won. But I think it definitely played a role at least with Alabama's last two drives mm-hmm. of regulation. Does that does some of that stem from the fact that Georgia did have to play a double overtime game in the Rose Bowl last week? Like is that does that I mean, it, maybe it's possible. I don't think it would play a large role because I mean they did still have a month off mm-hmm. in between. And I mean it's not like you know, these are guys in their late thirties who are you know, like more. Right. Not not as young and spry as these guys are. So, like, I'm not going to say that that had absolutely no effect. I don't think it probably played a major effect. I And I agree with that. The one thing, too, with Georgia's defense, if you thought they were wearing down, I don't know if they would have worn down if Hurts had continued to play. We'll never know because, I mean, maybe Alabama's offense would have picked up uh, with Hurts in the second half. But I do think that Tua was able to... I mean, he was definitely a factor in uh, in Georgia's defense wearing down because he was just able to yeah. continue to make plays with his legs, and especially, I mean, he won the game with his arm. There's no other way around it. Uh, and he nearly lost the game for Alabama because it, in overtime, thereafter Georgia gets it. I would love to, to see the 
the winning percentage, how like the you know the, how they ESPN does that, you know the football power index or whatnot. Uh, just you know the I would like to see that too. How up and down it had to have been because you know Georgia, you know Alabama looks like they're going to win the game in regulation, miss the field goal, then Georgia. Goes all the way back. They make a field goal. And at that time, I didn't think, okay, it's 23-20, but with the way Alabama's been moving the ball, I didn't think it was a great chance that Georgia would be able to hang on and win. I thought, man, you can hold them to a field goal, but the odds seemed better that Alabama would score a touchdown. But after that sack, I was like, okay, now I, I have to think Georgia's chances of winning have increased. And, and here it is. Uh, let's see... It looked like uh, Alabama, when they got sacked, had a 56% chance, they say, of winning, which I think is still remarkably high, uh, given what happened there. But, I mean, all things considered, just for him to make that play, that throw on second and 26 from the 41, because they know they have to get some yards there to, to at least get in field goal range to look off the safety there throw that touchdown to a wide open it was freshman to freshman and that's the I think another major storyline and why this is I think it's more remarkable is that you have a freshman quarterback in this situation throwing to a freshman wide receiver for a touchdown and I, I mean Georgia I forget that Alabama's best running back the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter was Najee Harris who's a freshman running back in California too yes. so I mean they got Freshman on offense making plays all over the place in crunch time. Absolutely. And, I mean, so all those things considered, I just thought it was tremendous the way this game ended up. I'm not an Alabama fan, not a huge Nick Saban fan, but dang nabbit, he's a phenomenal head coach. He knows how to get it done. And, I mean, I, I will, I'll say if we're looking for a GOAT in this one, I, I don't know if it was the defensive coordinator or what, but someone needs someone has to explain the the logic or the reasoning for what Georgia called there uh, with that defense there on second and 26. Are you just trying to prevent them from getting a first down? You better have a couple other guys over the top then. I, I need an explanation about that. I think we should also, this is worth noting, I just thought of this recently that College football is not the same as the NFL, where you can't, you don't have as much time to teach everyone everything, mm-hmm. and there's just more games in the NFL and more games you can have tape on. But like, there's a difference between oh, this is Jalen Hurts who's basically started for all of two seasons, and this is the tape we have on him, and this is how we know like what at times he struggles with and what we don't want to run in certain situations because this is what he's good at, you know, throwing and running against. And all of a sudden, here's this freshman that just like, oh yeah, um, we had the guys take tape of him just in case this happened, but he's only like thrown 50 passes the entire year. But we don't really know like what we're going to do against this guy because we just don't have film on it because he's barely played. Yep. And when he has played, it's been when they've been up by 30 points. And, you know, he's playing against the other team's backups or situations like that. And it's just like... Again, I don't think that's like the reason that it works, but I think that certainly you could say that that's one of the in a game of inches where all, all these things can make a difference in a close game like this. You start throwing stuff on one side of the scales, and I guess you know 
weird things can happen at the end. You know, like, I don't know, a guy throwing a 45-yard touchdown pass in overtime to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the final stats here, 371 to 365 total yards. Alabama won that, so they won it by six. First downs, Georgia had two more first downs than Alabama, so it was a relatively even game. But once again, Nick Saban gets the best of a former assistant. Now, let's look down yeah, by line. far the best game with, a, with an assistant. Event. Yes. Because I think before that, the closest one was this year when they beat Florida State, and it was not that great of a game, but was kind of close. So, I mean, by no means am I saying that this can't continue for Saban, but at least maybe there's hope that they're not 100% invincible at all times. I'm not going to ask you to forecast ahead, you know, like mere hours, moments after the uh, the national championship is has been completed and the the. uh... Can if you want, I can do it. Okay, well, confident in my abilities at times. If we're looking ahead to the the four teams that could make the college football playoff next year, I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna bank on Alabama to do it just because why would you ever bet against them? What would you say though that Georgia could make it back? I know it would mean that there would be two SEC teams in the national championship again, but I mean you get Fromm back. Yes, you lose Chubb and and Michelle, but the, you got that Swift kid, the freshman running back from Philly. In there, they got a lot of talent still at Georgia. Do we think Georgia can make another significant run and be a legitimate threat to be in the college football playoff again next year? It's possible. A couple of things that do make this tough are we don't know. We don't know everybody who's going to leave early for the NFL yet or not. Right. And I know one of the things that helped Georgia this year is I mean, when you recruit as well as Georgia and Alabama do, you're always going to have guys leaving early. But there were a lot of Georgia guys who stayed for this year that I don't know different guys who are juniors now will necessarily stay for next year. They could, for Georgia's sake, I guess I hope they do. But we don't know that, and also, I don't know what Georgia's schedule is. I know you have to play two teams from the other division, and that's in the SEC, and you have one permanent crossover game. And Georgia's permanent crossover is Auburn. I think Auburn's going to still be really good next year because their quarterback's coming back. Jared Stidham, yeah. I mean, Auburn's very bipolar, so I could also see Auburn going like eight and four next year. But I think we could also see him going ten and two or eleven and one, also. So, like, I'm, I'm not going to write them out. I mean, you look at the way they've always recruited well, and they're recruiting even better now that Kirby Smart's there. Well, I'm sure they will be plenty good. But I mean. The bottom line is, I think they wouldn't have gotten in this year if they wouldn't have won their conference. And while it could work out next year, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to get in. It feels like Alabama's probably going to win the West. So if you want to get into the playoff, if you're Georgia, you're probably going to have to beat or win in the SEC title game. So as of now, my gut reaction is that they will not be in the playoff next year. I'm certainly not saying they can't. I think they would have better odds than all but four or five teams in the country. But I would lean towards no. And it, it, just if anything, I mean, when you take all these, other than Alabama, who has clearly turned into, like, the UCLA under John Wooden of college basketball, that's the only other thing I can compare it to in, like, big-time college sports and professional sports that I can think of. Like, other than that, it's just so incredibly hard to get back just to a title game in the first place. 
I mean, right. there's all sorts of times where you see where it's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, since I'm a Dolphins fan, and I know this happened before I was born, but I'm sure you've also heard the story where, like, in the second year, the Dolphins make the playoffs and, you know, lose by, like, 20 to the 49ers, and everyone's like, oh, well, they lost to the Niners in Montana. They'll be fine. They'll be back for plenty more. And then they never got back again after that because it's really tough and you need to catch breaks. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes Alabama's run all that more remarkable that they've made it to, what, three straight national championships. They've won five in nine years. It's just an unbelievable run that they're on. Here's Georgia's schedule for next year. Home to Austin P. that's a win. At South Carolina, you could presume that's a win. Home to Middle Middle Tennessee State, I would think that's a win. At Missouri, should be a win. Home to Tennessee, win. Home to Vanderbilt, win. Then they have a tricky three-game stretch here. At LSU, that could be a loss. The you know the great American or the the largest cocktail party uh, in Jacksonville against Florida. We'll see what Dan Mullen and company have in store for Georgia there. But I'm going to give Georgia a win there. They're at Kentucky. I would think that's a win. And then they play their final three games at home against Auburn, Massachusetts, and Georgia Tech. So if you're looking at two, maybe three games that are going to trip Georgia up next year, it's at LSU, a neutral site game against Florida, and home to Auburn. But, I mean, so I would say if you're looking... I would talk Georgia Tech in there too, where, I mean, certainly I think Georgia will be favored and will probably win, but one week triple option... There have been numerous other times where far more talented Georgia teams have lost to Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech. Correct. Yep. Like I, the other three, I think, are more likely for them to lose than Georgia Tech. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I would dot that one in there as a don't don't be so sure quite yet. But favorable nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, we'll, very favorable. We'll see. Especially what... for a team that in a month is probably going to end up with the top recruiting class in the country. Yep, and I mean what Fromm did too. I, I, just a moment on Fromm here. I am very impressed with what he did. Yes, he faded down the stretch, but I could see him being a pretty gosh darn good quarterback as long as he keeps developing, uh, transitioning into the NFL. I just I get that sense from him. I, I find him. To be uh, to be very good, uh, you know, he did a lot of great things as a freshman this year. Didn't I mean it helps when you have a great running game uh, behind you to rely on. It doesn't put you in quite as many pressure situations, but I think he's got some great talent at the to transcend and get to that next level. And then how about Tua? Uh, I mean, we already saw one Hawaiian or born quarterback, Marcus Mariota. He's in the NFL. Uh, Small sample size. Tua's going to be the only player, maybe in Las Vegas history, that's never started a game before and will start the season like in the top 10 best odds to win the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> Very true. I mean, I, I'm, you know, small sample size, prisoner of the moment, uh, circumstance perhaps, but uh, call me. Call me crazy. I think he's got uh, some pro potential as, or he's definitely got pro potential. But I think he, I think we will see him in the NFL uh, after a couple years. I, you know, I, I just do. I really do. I think we'll see both these guys in the NFL, and I think they will be. They could be better than some of these quarterbacks in the current class that will be in the 2018 NFL draft. Bold prediction. 
I mean, it could be. It's really tough. I mean, all the time we see guys, though, we're better freshmen that people are like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't mean people like you and me. I mean, like, NFL draft people that are like, oh, yeah, this guy. And then two years later, it's like, well, actually, they didn't really get any better than they were as freshmen. And we assumed they were going to improve, and they didn't really. And they're fine, but maybe we don't want to draft them well, in the first five rounds after all. Just remember, Todd McShay once said Mitch Leidner was a potential first-round draft pick. <laughs> So <laughs> that's true. He did say that. Uh, final thoughts on the championship game and just the college football season in general. A few things. Uh, first, I want to start off when they. I, they ended, I'm going to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I don't remember if it was Chris Fowler or Kirk Herbstreit, but after the game was over, it was like you got to feel good for Alabama and those players. And I mean, in that moment, I don't know what you say, heat of the moment, but kind of like, oh yeah, I feel so great for those Bama players who have never had any breaks go their way. <laughs> All those Alabama fans that have been down on their luck, try hard, couldn't catch break football fans for the last 10 years. Phyllis is of the world. To go their way. Yeah. The, the, Real Cinderella story. Yep, the Phyllis is of the world. They they really, uh, they're really yeah. hurting. Georgia, I feel bad for Georgia just because not all... It's not universal, but I think it's safe to assume that a lot of people who are Atlanta Falcons fans are also Georgia Bulldogs fans. Oh, yes. I think January of 2017 to January of this year, that is a rough, rough 12-month stretch in I didn't even think about Super Bowl, that. the national title games, both of them where you got a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and just watch, you know, like... They're not exactly the same, and clearly the Falcons collapsed much worse. Right. But both of them just had that feel of like, oh man, they got it to 10 or they got it to 7, and this just feels like this game's already over and you've already lost it. Mm-hmm. This one wasn't as bad as, like I said, with, with the Falcons and the Patriots, it felt like I could see that way earlier than here. But I know, uh, talking, I was texting with friends earlier. And I, I don't remember if it was when Alabama scored to cut it to seven or if it was right after Georgia went for her like, had to punt after that. But I was just like, I don't know. This game feels like Alabama to her, uh, Georgia three and out, Alabama touchdown to tie, Georgia three and out, Alabama touchdown to take the lead, Georgia turnover on down, Alabama victory formation. Yep. And it didn't play out exactly that way. But like more or less in sentiment, it played out like that. The so. tide was turning, pun intended. Yeah, and it's, I mean, like it's always, it's, no matter what, it's always going to be brutal if you lose a game like this. But when you're ahead and you're blowing a lead, and like you can see it unfolding before you, or it's like, oh no, oh no, they just keep getting first down. Like it's worse, or at least like it seems like it would be worse than a getting blown out, which would suck. And as a Nebraska fan who was up the 2002 Rose Bowl, like, don't get me wrong, it sucks getting blown out, but, like, you can make peace with that much earlier in the game. Or if it's going down to the final play, you're just like, like, that stings too, but I don't know. Like, blowing leads just always, like, well, you're, you're a sports fan. You've seen teams, like, you remember when South Dakota State blew that lead against Montana. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, you're just watching, and you're just like, oh, no, please make it stop. Why isn't this 
Why is this happening? Like it's an un- like it, it's you can't stop the bleeding. It you know when it rains it pours. Uh, what you know it's a you know snowball effect. All those cliches work uh, work extremely well for this. I would say it's like Wiley E. Coyote having <laughs> one of his acne inventions like slam a rock on him, but it's doing it in slow motion where you're just like I can see this happening, and it's not there yet. But I can't do anything to get out of the way in time. Right. And this is really going to end poorly. Yeah. Nope, but I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And then for season as a whole, I mean, I don't care for Alabama. My disdain is not as high as it used to be just because I'm sick of, like, I'm just kind of sort of like the New England Patriots. I've just accepted that they're always going to win and I'm always going to be sad. Kind of like North and Dakota State. And it just into like North Dakota State, and it's I don't know. It's just like it's like walking outside and the cold slapping you in the face, <laughs> and it's just like oh well, you know what? Also, uh, surely it seems like they're going to lose going forward. Oh wait, never mind. Nick Saban's still there. Uh, they're replacing all these great assistants every year, and now they've got an even better true freshman than Jalen Hurts seemed last year. And yeah, I don't know. I think we should just. Uh, give in to our college football overlords and start paying all of our tax money to Nick Saban and Fitz for all <laughs> everything anyway. Well, yeah, we shouldn't even do, let's not even do a season. But, or like... Maybe you'll take the Arizona Cardinals coaching job and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, I, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he'd still be in the, you know, be in the South, so he, I mean, he could wear his nice Crocs and Capri pants that he wears sometimes. I don't know what does right, he wear second. capris. I don't know if he does. He, he wears... I don't know. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you right now my subject to change. My 14 playoff for next year in college football. Okay, go for it. On and off, I've been thinking about this while we've had this conversation. Spoiler alert: I'm not going to have two teams from the same conference because even though that can happen, it's more fun picking it the other way. And this isn't like one through four. This is just in some order. I'm going. I'm going Alabama, I'm going Washington, and those are the two, like, more easy-to-digest ones. Like, the other ones, they're teams that are good, and it can happen, but it's a little more out there. Three, I'm going with Michigan. Even though they struggled at the end of this year, Michigan had to replace more starters than anyone else in the country this past year. They're going to bring a boatload of guys back next year. I think they'll be better on offense. Their defense is always good. I'm saying Michigan wins the Big Ten at 11 and one or 12 and 0 to get into the title game. And fourth, the last team, I'm going with the Texas Longhorns. Big jump under Tom Herman in year two. Defense is still good. They get enough offense while Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are both smarting a little bit with the loss of their stud all-time great quarterback. And uh, the ACC gets shut out. I love all those picks. I have been contemplating with Texas. Uh, the Michigan. The, the one thing with Michigan is the way their offense fizzled against South Carolina. I I don't know. Now this quarterback that they're getting from Ole Miss. Uh, hopefully he's the real deal. Is it Shea Patterson or something like that? Shea um, Patterson, who may or may not be eligible. So, also, it's worth noting that they redshirted the kid who's Christian McCaffrey's brother. I don't remember what his first name is, but okay. he's a quarterback. I don't know if he's as good. I, I think it's safe to assume he probably won't be as good a quarterback as his brother is at running back. Mm-hmm. But I think he could be 
better than what what Michigan got from its quarterback spot the last two years. So I'm flip I'm I'm flip flopping between Ohio State and Michigan. I'm contemplating putting them both in. I, like you, though, will put Alabama in. I will put Clemson in another year for Kelly Bryant. I know Dabo Sweeney continues to recruit well. That defense, I think, is still going to be really good. So I will put Clemson in. You know, I went with Washington. I'm going to be honest, back in, part of the reason I didn't put Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma in was I just kind of wanted to have different teams. Oh, sure. No, I, I'm completely fine with that. I like the Washington pick. I picked I them this year. I think yours is more likely to happen than mine because I think Clemson is is quite likely to make it there again next year. So the, my early, I guess, proclamation then, or my, my early forecast, I believe Ohio State, and I'll say Ohio State and Michigan are undefeated, headed into the their game. The loser, obviously... Like the 06 season where they were 1-2 and two and undefeated and had the biggest Ohio State-Michigan big game ever. Sure. On one of those. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And I will, I, like I will say, or at minimum, you know, one team will have one loss. Regardless, someone's going to get left out of the Big Ten championship game. The winner will go. The winner will win, and they will both sneak in. I'll say Ohio State and Michigan will join Clemson and Alabama. I'm gonna. I, of course, I need to do a little more research in here. I really like the Texas pick. I agree that both Oklahoma schools aren't going to do much. Uh, I'm not going to bite on USC or you know anything like that. The Washington pick is very intriguing to me. Uh, you know, do do you go with the boring Wisconsin? I mean, maybe Nebraska. Maybe maybe Nebraska can do it here. I, I would love to see that. That would be a pretty big jump from before an eighteen. That, uh, year two. In year one under a new coach. I mean, let's remember that uh, Nebraska gave up a school record for quarterbacks rushing yeah. yards to Emory Croft at Minnesota, well, who then decided that he also needed to transfer down a level. So, like, that, that's the level Nebraska was playing at this past year. We'll, we'll go then uh, year two that Nebraska can do something. So, I guess those, those are my initial four teams, but I... I you said Wisconsin, though. I, I can see Wisconsin. Wisconsin has to replace a few guys on defense. Yep. But they always have to replace guys on defense, and they plug and play. And while they might not be as freakishly athletic as Alabama's guys, they're always tough, nasty, fundamentally sound. But, but Wisconsin gets, like, everybody back on offense. And I do expect Minnesota to take another jump in year two under P.J. Fleck. But right now I'll take Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, and Alabama – but again, subject to change between now and August. Good stuff. I hope, I hope, other than Alabama, that you and I get at least one other team right. Because <laughs> it feels like Alabama is just—they're like the free space and bingo right now. <laughs> I agree, Charlie. I appreciate all the time that you've given me in, in the, the, the podcast this year with college football. Um, I hope uh, you'll be willing to do it again next year uh, when the college football season rolls on, but hopefully we'll talk between them, but thanks again for all the time, and uh, appreciate it, and I know we'll talk soon. Thank you, Charlie. Hey, no problem, and I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be an NFL expert, but I still watch, especially playoff time, I start paying more attention, and if you want, like, a one-time before the Super Bowl or something, a non- a non-Minnesota Vikings opinion. I can give you about four good minutes on that, maybe. All right. Thank you. I'll, I'll do that. The Vikings got to get by the Saints first, though, and that's something that uh, I think has already aged me a few years, just thinking about a potent, that game on Sunday. 
All right, sounds good. Take care, Stack, and then say hi to your child for me. I will. Yep, Noah will thank you. Noah watched part of the game, by the way. He did watch part of the game. Yeah, man, your son has to live in a world where Alabama is the reigning national title. And North Dakota State as well. And North Dakota State. It's Um, rough. It's rough, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Mark Mathis can't get here sooner. Oh, uh, no, absolutely. I, and I assume you will be in on the bracket challenge this year. Yes. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Yep, talk to you later. Charlie Hildebrand joining us here. Sioux City Journal, great stuff. Appreciate it. Great friend, excellent uh, college football expert analyst there for us. Uh, yeah, Alabama, phenomenal national championship Finish not a phenomenal championship game, but you know, freshman to freshman, the, the decision to go with the freshman, the missed field goal, the 51-yard field goal by Blankenship for Georgia to give Georgia the 23-20 lead, and then, oh, wow. All I could say, you know, the touchdown by Tua, that tremendous. Um, so congrats to Alabama. Um, let's wrap up the podcast now with some picks for NFL Divisional Weekend and Maybe a couple other things here. Probably not. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, now available on iTunes. All right, let's wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Let's look back at Wild Card Weekend and make some picks for the divisional round of the playoffs here. Uh, so, uh, last weekend, t- Tennessee comeback win over Kansas City, 22-21. They were down 21-3 to at half. 18-point comeback marks... Uh, it's tied for like most, I believe, of all time. I think you know Andy Reid's been involved in two of them. He's actually lost these games. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was losing Travis Kelsey in the first half to a concussion, uh, but the play calling was a little questionable. Not giving it to Kareem Hunt more in the second half to try and run some clock out. Give Marcus Mariota and Tennessee a lot of credit for continuing to fight in the second half and that touchdown catch that Mariota had when he threw it. It was tipped and he caught it. Ran it in. That was a tremendous play there. Eric Decker, I think, made a touchdown catch. So overall, Tennessee, a surprising comeback win, 22-21. Sunday, or Saturday night, then, the Los Angeles Rams playing in their first playoff game since moving to L.A. and uh, It looked like it. They had multiple mistakes, mental mistakes on special teams, a couple turnovers. The offense never could get going. The Falcons' defense played great. The Falcons' offense wasn't terrific overall, but Julio Jones finally had a big game uh, when he's not playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Matt Ryan, if if Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are, are playing really well together, that's that bodes well for the Falcons. Devontae Freeman had what sixty six yards and a touchdown, but and the Falcons rolled twenty six to thirteen. Sunday then. Uh, as Travis, I mentioned earlier, the Bills and the Jaguars. 10-3, Jacksonville won a defensive battle. Uh, Blake Bortles ran for more yards than he threw. Uh, they they scored their only touchdown on fourth and goal. The Buffalo had it on first and goal at their one in the first half and had to settle for a field goal. It was bad. Uh, probably seen the last of Tyrod Taylor in the Bills uniform, you know, the quarterback there. I, I don't think that's the right move, but that's what they're going with. So... Uh, yeah, the Jaguars, that's a great defense, and they're going to be tested this week. But they beat Buffalo 10-3. to And then the, the best game of the weekend was Carolina at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, or Carolina had a chance early on to get a touchdown, get up and early, maybe put some pressure on New Orleans. 
dropped pass and then a missed field goal negated anything there. So they they just had to settle for field goals early on, but uh, they stayed in the game. Drew Brees was vintage Drew Brees, threw for over 300 yards and a touchdown because the the Saints couldn't get anything going off uh, rushing the football, which was odd to see because you have two great running backs, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. But having said that, you know the Carolina had a chance to win after Drew Brees threw an interception on fourth and two from midfield. It would have been better for Carolina to just knock it down. They did not. Uh, they ended up having first down at the 21, and I don't, you know Cam Newton gets an intentional grounding. Don't necessarily know if you agree with that. Then he gets sacked on fourth down. It just wasn't good. So the Panthers blow a huge opportunity to get that win against New Orleans. So that sets up divisional playoff round. It begins this Saturday. Again, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. So Saturday at 4.35 p.m. Eastern, 3.35 p.m. Central Time on NBC. It's the Atlanta Falcons at the Philadelphia Eagles. Falcons are favored. They're the first six seed ever to be favored over a one seed. And you know what? We'll roll with Atlanta. Why not? Uh, I don't feel great about this game. This is a virtual toss-up. But, um, yeah, Philly just hasn't looked very good. I know they're playing the disrespect card. But, um, yeah, no, Atlanta playing pretty well right now. I think I'll take them. Unless the weather gets bad, then I'll take Philadelphia. So uh, we will make the official predictions in the stack. Uh, on at stackattack.sportsblog.com. That'll be on Friday. Might make... Might reserve the right to change our opinion there, but right now leaning Atlanta. Tennessee at New England, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on CBS. I, I just don't see how Tennessee is going to go into New England and beat the Patriots. You just aren't. I mean, maybe DeMarco Murray will play. Hopefully he'll play. Uh, they'll try and run the ball and, and eat up as much clock as they can, but I'll take the Patriots for the win. Too, much, too explosive on offense. Jacksonville at Pittsburgh, 1.05 p.m. Eastern, 12.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS on Sunday. Remember in week five, these two teams met. Jacksonville won 30-9. They picked off Ben Roethlisberger five times. Uh, Clearly are in Big Ben's head already. He's been talking about him. That Jaguars defense is tremendous. But the Steeler offense, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Big Ben. And now you have a, a fourth B with Chris Boswell, their kicker. I think it's just going to be too much. I'm I'm t- leaning Pittsburgh right now, but you could definitely see Jacksonville get the upset win there. And then finally, 4.40 p.m. Eastern, 3.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox, New Orleans at Minnesota, the game that is already giving me uh, the beginnings of an ulcer, I will say. <laughs> I'm nervous as heck for this one. Uh, you know, the Vikings have the best defense. They have a great off you know case keenan's been very good but lack of playoff experience sometimes can expose itself and drew Brees is battle tested in the playoffs so that gives me a little fear the fact that they didn't have a running game last week does you know they might find a resurgence with it at the def- the defense is going to have to play at home they're going to have to watch for screens and you got to get pressure on drew Brees. I think they can win. I think they probably will win, but it's going to be close throughout. I would love to see a blowout, but um, I'll, 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 I'll take the Vikings right now. But this game, I'm so nervous for it. I can't even begin to describe. Uh, and this, yeah, I, I would much rather play the Eagles or the Falcons. I, I, you know, the NFC Championship game is, is not. I'm not going to be nearly as fearful as I am with this. But those are your picks for the NFL divisional playoffs. Again, full predictions. Uh, and uh, previews will be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog. 
sportsblock.com be on Friday. Appreciate you listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate Charlie for all his many weeks of coming on here. We will definitely have him again sometime in the future, uh, hopefully before the college football season is about to begin. So appreciate his efforts. Always appreciate Travis coming on with us. And, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be back next week to recap divisional playoffs. We'll recap, uh, we'll preview the conference championships. Hopefully the Vikings are in there. Fingers crossed. School! School! And hopefully SDSU men's and women's basketball continues to dominate um, through the Summit League play. They both 2-0 through the first week. The uh, continued success there throughout. So thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can also follow me on Twitter at NDStacken or on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. We post a link to the podcast throughout uh, early in the later part of the week. So thank you again for listening. And uh, hope you tune in again next week here to another edition of of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken saying thank you. Enjoy NFL Divisional Playoffs. We'll talk with you next week here on the Sports Block Podcast.